105 UTC right after the international news. Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America! Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the November 30th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. Senegalese football fans sang, danced, and cheered in Dakar and Qatar where their African champion team defeated Ecuador 2-1 to advance to the round of 16 at the FIFA World Cup. Let's go to Dakar now and sample some of that victorious ambiance. Lions of Taranga supporter Lamine Diallo says We are happy that Senegal has qualified for the next step We are happy that they have the courage necessary We are very happy I don't know what to say I am so happy Senegal fan Fatou Diaw says, I was so scared that I didn't know what to do. But after the match, I am free of all my emotions. The players gave everything, and we are very happy. We wish for them to continue like that through the next match so we can qualify. Another Senegal fan, Jacob Baji, says they did the job and we are all happy. Congratulations to Aliou Cisse, really. This is the first African team to qualify. We are all happy. All Senegalese are happy. We will have to work for it next time. The next time for African champion Senegal is Sunday, December 4th, when they play England. Another Senegal fan, Abdoulaye, donned his Lions of Taranga jersey, wore it to the stadium in Qatar, and afterwards spoke with VOA about Senegal's big victory. My name is uh, Abdoulaye, so I've arrived uh, the 12th, not the, the 20th of uh, November. This is my first World Cup. And you know, uh, the first time I followed the Senegal uh, at the World Cup was in uh, 2002. I was uh, like nine, and today we qualify for the round of 16 for the first time. And uh, it's just incredible for me, and I saw it in real. Sadio Mane is very important for us. It's uh, more than a player, you know, it's like a monument in, uh, in Senegal. And uh, without him, uh, it's just incredible to, to qualify for, for the run of, uh, of six. So it's a good performance and I hope that uh, we won't stop here. We have uh, good opponents, England uh, on Sunday to play. It will be a good game, but uh, I think that uh, the players uh, 
could qualify against uh, against England. But it will be a, a tough game. For more reaction to the Senegal Ecuador World Cup game, Iron Mike Mbonye spoke with African football analyst Emmanuel Okara. The Teranga Lions of Senegal were obviously the better team in the keenly contested duel with the Latri of Ecuador. It was a match that brought out the best from the Afghan champions playing without their talismanic striker, Sadio Mane, who sadly was ruled out of the World Cup because of an injury that needed surgery. Right from the blast of the referee's whistle, the Senegalese who needed an outright win to qualify for the round of 16 alongside the Netherlands came out with both guns blazing, but poor marksmanship robbed them of some guilt-edged chances in the earlier stages of the first half. It was finally in the 44th minute that the Taranga Lions eventually made the breakthrough courtesy of the penalty kick that was won by Ismail Assar, which he duly converted. By the time the Ecuadorians equalized in the 67 minutes through Moises Caicedo, it seemed the Latri had achieved their objective for the match because a one-all draw would have been enough to take them to the round of 16 alongside the Dutch. By the time Khalidou Koulibaly scored the winning goal in the 70th minute, which incidentally was his first ever goal for Senegal, the handwriting was clearly on the wall, but the Teranga Lions had to still fight tooth and nail to defend their true gold lead until the blast of the referee's whistle in the 96th minute of the pulsating encounter. I hereby congratulate coach Aliou Sisse and the team for making Africa proud. The Teranga Lions of Senegal have won two games without team talisman Sadio Mane. What's the secret behind their success? I will want to attribute the success of the Teranga Lions at the Qatar World Cup to a telepathic team spirit fostered by the unfortunate absence of their talismanic striker and influential teammates Sadio Mane, who got ruled out of the World Cup because of that unfortunate injury he suffered on the eve of the World Cup. Following Mane's absence, the players had resolved that they would not only play for Mane and that they would play for pride and as the African champions, which they have done with aplomb. Even though they lost their opening match to the Netherlands, it was perhaps the elixir they needed to sit up and overwhelm Qatar and Ecuador, which has extended their stay in Qatar, so to speak. I believe Mane will be beaming with pride wherever he is at the way his teammates have fought valiantly to keep the flag of Senegal flying high in Qatar. Senegal will meet England, winner of Group A, for the round of 16 game. What's your take on that match? The upcoming round of 16 showdown between England and Senegal, which are dubbed as the Battle of the Lions, as three Lions versus Teranga Lions, will be the first ever matchup in any football game between the two countries. But because of the cosmopolitan nature of football these days, the two teams are no strangers to each other because players like Edward Mendy, Khalidou Koulibaly, Cheikh Kuyate, Ismail Assar currently ply their trade in England. Even coach Aliou Sisse, at a stage in his active days as a player, also strutted the stuff in England with Birmingham City and Portsmouth Football Club. Even though it might seem like a matchup of familiar foes, 
it will be a match of the winner takes all or a zero sum game if you like simply put a winner must emerge and both teams will surely go for broke to elongate their stay in qatar at each other's expense to sum up i see the encounter as one where victory can swing in any direction that's african football analyst emmanuel okara and Emmanuel spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Lagos, Nigeria. Now we'll hear from another Emmanuel. Sporty greetings. This is Emmanuel Amuneke, former Nigerian player, former Tanzanian coach. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. Many thanks. Remain blessed and stay safe. God bless you. It is the biggest sports event of the year. The 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Join VOA to celebrate Africa's King's Spot. In-depth coverage, pre- and post-game analysis, breakout stars, Cinderella teams, coaches, players, and let's not forget the fans from the four corners of the continent and from the city of Doha. We'll be there throughout the competition. Don't miss the fun. With Team VOA Africa, let's experience the magic of football together. USA, USA, that's a big game, man. When I spoke to the coach and the players, I said, you can do this. They went, ah, oh, they're going to, they did it. God love them. Anyway, just thought you might want to hear. God love them. U.S. President Joe Biden praised the U.S. men's national soccer team for reaching the round of 16 at the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. The USA held on for a 1-0 victory over Iran on Tuesday. Chelsea man Christian Pulisic had the game-winning goal in the 38th minute. Former USA midfielder Alejandro Badoya gave the USA a thumbs up for its performance. I thought the US played well. You know, they had a great first half. It's just been kind of the story of the tournament. They just haven't been able to get that second goal, convert their chances into goals. So hopefully they can do that the next round. In the next round, the USA will play the Netherlands on Saturday, December 3rd. The Dutch defeated host Qatar on Tuesday 2-0. And the Netherlands finished on top of Group A, with seven points from three matches. And as we heard earlier, the Lions of Taranga from Senegal will play England on Sunday, December 4th, in a round of 16 encounter. England finished on top of Group B with seven points from three matches. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel. In honor of World AIDS Day, we reprise a conversation with AIDS activist, journalist, and historian Emily Bass about her book, To End a Plague, America's Fight to Defeat AIDS in Africa. She discusses the significance of PEPFAR, the president's emergency plan for AIDS relief created under former President George W. Bush. That's Press Conference USA this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. Thanks, Carol. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice 
of America. A former star player nicknamed the Black Prince of South African football is aiming to make kings of footballers around the continent with an extraordinary tracking device that's already being used by some of the world's top clubs. Jomo Sono, regarded as the greatest attacking midfielder South Africa's ever produced, has secured the rights to distribute the Player Maker Performance Measuring System in Africa. Darren Taylor tells us more from Johannesburg. Jomo Sono made his name in the early 1970s, playing for Soweto Giants Orlando Pirates. He was a fearsome tackler, a powerful striker of the ball, a dribbler of note, and had sublime passing skills. But Sono had the misfortune of being at the peak of his powers when apartheid was also at its height. South Africa was an international pariah, so he never got a chance to represent his country on the world stage. But Sono's skills were simply too good to ignore. European giants Juventus and Sporting Lisbon each offered him a contract, but the governments of both Italy and Portugal denied him work permits. He's convinced that 1970s Europe just wasn't ready for black African players. But America was. In 1977, Sono joined New York Cosmos, where he created goal after goal for legendary Brazilian striker Pele. Today, Sono's a businessman and technical director for the South African Football Association. I'm renowned for unearthing a lot of youngsters from the dusty streets of all the black townships. And one of them will be appearing soon, who I discovered was 15 years old, and I took him all the way to England. That was two years ago. It was during this visit to the United Kingdom that Sono saw the player maker in action for the first time. He decided he'd be the one to bring it to Africa. Sono's son and current Cosmos midfielder, Masilele, describes player maker as a talent scout driven by artificial intelligence. It's motion sense based technology. It is a wearable football technology that goes on your boot. It is completely comfortable that you do not feel. That is completely durable. It has a five-hour recording time with a three-hour charging time. So what it does is takes the statistics and technical balances and data of all the players that use the device on the football pitch so they can see how many times the player has passed the ball, how many times the player has received the ball, which foot the player is receiving the ball on his kick velocity. So it really takes in all the data that your normal GPS tracking vest would not give you. It would just give you distance covered and where the player is on the pitch. But this actually gives you what the player is doing with and without the ball at all times. Masilele explains that the player maker incorporates something called gate tracking. This constantly examines a player's body position, how he runs, how he moves, to pick up any anomalies. It helps coaches in terms of injury prevention and in helping the player grow technically on the ball to say that, no, look, this week your pass average was very low. We'd like you to work in terms of this or your sprint speed has slowed down. Are you injured? We'd like you to get more passes and get on the ball more. You know, so this really helps you just fine print all the finer details of the game. 
it's not really a hindrance in terms of you taking out the personal aspect. It's just adding an element that will help the player grow. Manchester City and Liverpool are just two of the top clubs using the player maker. Strapped to the outside of a boot, it uses algorithms to analyze data, which is visualized for players and coaches to review on a tablet or phone. After a match, the boot sensor is connected to an app to access insights on 15 unique performance indicators, including physical data and leg balance. Masilele says PlayerMaker allows players to be their own coaches. It just makes the workload just a bit more easier for someone to come say, look, this is what I've done for the week. These are my statistics. This is my run distance. This is my pass average. You know, my playing tempo, how many times I play one touch, how long I hold on to the ball. Sono's senior winks and gestures towards his son. He's also been using it. And ever since he used it, it's improved. He's even scored now lately. The PlayerMaker device currently costs around $250, including a one-year subscription to the app. In African terms, this is expensive. Sono says it's worth it, considering that in South Africa, for example, parents are spending a lot of rands on football coaching. Parents are paying 5000 per month to keep their children at some of the soccer clubs in this country. 5000 per month to play and train football. I'll rather buy this as a parent. And then every time my, my son comes back, I'll take this, put it in the computer, and look and say, let's work on this. This week we work on your speed, we work on your shooting, we work on your passing. You become a coach yourself. Sono says he's going to do his best to make the player maker as affordable as possible in Africa. His vision is to roll it out in youth leagues across the continent. Imagine the possibilities, says Sono, when coaches fit the device to the boots of Africa's already skillful players. Players who've never had the opportunity to use technology to enhance their skills. For the sunny side of sports, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. Thanks, Darren. I worked with Darren for a few years at our Voice of America headquarters here in Washington, And then Darren returned to Johannesburg with his family, where he's been uh, for quite a few years now. In fact, as I look back at the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, I met with Darren a couple of times in Johannesburg. And one of my fond memories is Darren taking me to a wonderful steakhouse in Johannesburg, where he treated me to probably the best steak I've ever eaten. It is the biggest sports event of the year. The 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Join VOA to celebrate Africa's king's sport. In-depth coverage, pre- and post-game analysis, breakout stars, Cinderella teams, coaches, players, and let's not forget the fans from the four corners of the continent and from the city of Doha. We'll be there throughout the competition. Don't miss the fun with Team VOA Africa. Let's experience the magic of football together. Hi, this is Larry London, the host of VOA's Border Crossings, where we feature music and interviews along with your favorite artists from around the world. Rain, rain, rain. 
Tune in and interact live with us here in Washington, D.C. Hello, Shireen. Hello, Larry. How are you? Good. How are you tonight? Border Crossings comes to you Monday through Friday at 1500 UTC GMT. Thanks, Larry. That's Larry London, a man who's always ready to cross musical borders. I encourage our sunny side of sports listeners to follow me on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. Once again, that address, facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. Once again, my Twitter handle, at VOA Sunny Sports. This is the voice of America. Washington, D.C. Breakdancing is breaking new ground with the sports inclusion in the 2024 Paris Olympics. And more and more women are entering the traditionally male-dominated activity. Aaron Raynan reports from New York City. At the recent Worldwide Red Bull One Breakdancing Championship in New York City, male and female competitors from around the globe vie for a top spot in a sport that's soon to be part of the 2024 Olympics. The roots of breakdancing can be traced to the inner cities of America during the 1970s and 80s, when mostly African-American and Latino men challenged each other on the streets for dominance. An American dance that is truly comes from here. When you begin to understand breaking and you learn its history, you learn that it comes from the Bronx. It came from impoverished communities where kids didn't have much. They utilized this dance as a form of self-expression. And when you travel around the world and you hit different communities, you see that this is giving them a voice. This male-dominated dance has evolved into a sport welcoming all sexes. Since 2018, the Red Bull Championship event has included a separate category for women and seen a huge push by these competitors known as B-Girls. Sunny Choi, 34, is the current North American B-Girl breakdancing champion and recently took part in this year's competition. There's always been women in the community, always been women kind of fighting for their place in the community. And to see so many women participating now, I mean, I think it's just generally healthier and overall for the community as well to have a little bit more uh, like gender balance. Amid preparations for the 2024 Olympics, the current generation of B-girls is aware of the responsibilities and pressures they will face in Paris. Being the first women in the Olympics is going to mean a lot to so many other girls who are watching, but also means a lot to everybody in the community because it's on us to advocate for ourselves along this journey because it's the first time. For Choi, Breakdancing can help our society to not just identify, but understand and grasp gender roles better. It really means a lot to see so many women so strong, doing so many amazing things up there, and just being able to stand their own, you know? It feels good. Sunny and her fellow dancers, while on their journey to the Olympics, are sure to inspire the next generation of B-girls.
Aaron Raynan for VOA News, New York City. Thanks, Aaron. And this Sonny wishes the other Sonny, Sonny Joy, the North American B-Girl breakdancing champion. Good luck as she busts her moves. I would love to see Sonny Choi breakdance at the 2024 Paris Olympics. More World Cup news. There's been lots of political controversy involving Iran's team, which was eliminated by the USA on Tuesday. VOA's Gwen Uten tells us more. Sporty World Cup greetings, Gwen. Sporty World Cup greetings, Sonny. Iranian soccer fans and players at this year's World Cup have expressed mixed support for their home country since the tournament began. Last Monday, Iranian players declined to sing their national anthem before they suffered a 6-2 defeat against England in their opening match. However, the players did sing the anthem ahead of their 2-0 victory over Wales on Friday. The same day, tensions flared between Iranian fans and security teams were deployed to break up altercations outside the stadium. Ahead of their 1-0 defeat against the United States on Tuesday, some Iranians in Qatar spoke to Reuters News and said they found it difficult to cheer on their home country. This man is from Iran but now lives in the UK and did not want to be identified. I have mixed feelings. I can't be I can't say I'm happy really because uh, my country is playing and I'm not really so keen that they win as I know uh, this is just platform for government to use it to show everything is normal nothing is going on in Iran right now there is uh, martial law in Kurdish cities and at the same time killing women and children but at the same time using this uh, platform of football just to show normality and nothing going on and say everything happy everybody supporting the team but to be honest we don't really support the team because they don't represent national team they represent national uh, government's interest politics have permeated this year's world cup tournament the first to be held in the middle east and despite their mixed feelings towards their country on the pitch many iranians have been adamant in showing support for demonstrations back home that were sparked by the september death of masa mini a 22 year old woman who died in police custody after she was detained for allegedly wearing her hijab improperly. Ellie is from Iran and now lives in the United States. She explains the ongoing protests represent more than just a movement. This movement, we want to call them revolu- call it revolution. It's not a protest anymore. We want regime change in Iran. You know, it's been for more than 43 years that women just suppress, but enough is enough. Our young kids, brave kids in Iran are just being killed, being shot because of the very basic rights they want. Some Iranian football fans in Qatar were seen openly holding pictures of young women they say were killed in the protest, while others chose to hide their T-shirts bearing the protest slogan, Women, Life, Freedom, for fear of arrest. However, Sam, an Iranian who resides in the U.S., says that message must be spread around the world. Very important for me. Everybody should know about this. We don't have voice in Iran. People in Iran don't have access to Internet anymore. 
they need us to spread the message. We need you to spread the message, please. We really need you. Be our voice. Zan Zendegi Azadi. Sam saying the slogan, Women, Life, Freedom in Farsi. The U.S. and the Islamic Republic of Iran have had no formal diplomatic ties since 1980. Tensions between the U.S. and Iran were still high when the two nations last met on the World Cup stage in 1998 in one of the most politically charged matches in football history, dubbed the mother of all games. That clash ended with a 2-1 win for Iran, the country's first ever victory in the history of the tournament. And the stakes were high again on Tuesday. Leading up to the match, the U.S. Soccer Federation temporarily altered Iran's national flag by removing the Islamic Republic emblem as a show of support for Iranian protesters. That action reportedly led to a complaint by Tehran to the football government body FIFA and a call for the U.S. team to be ousted from the tournament. Security was increased during Tuesday's contest, but ahead of the match, American Kevin Barry said he believed tensions between the two nations once the players took the pitch. I think for the media and for the politics, it does, but for the players, they're going to go out and they're going to play as hard as they can. And as you can see, all the fans, they just want to get together and have a great time. So it's been a lot of fun. Everybody's out here, you know, throwing high fives and, and thumbs up. So all the other stuff is kind of just noise. Once you get on the pitch, it's about playing and getting a result. With their 1-0 victory over Iran, the U.S. have advanced to the round of 16. They are set to face the Netherlands at Khalifa Stadium on Saturday. And that is all for me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. And that wraps up the November 30th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports.